0: This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille.
1: Hi, folks. Thanks so much for spending a little part of your day with us. This is Mindful Medicine. And today on our show, guess what? We're going to help you out. Yep. We're going to help you stop sabotaging your own joy. Oh, my gosh. Such a fantastic subject, right? Because you probably know that what's the biggest thing in your own way? Yourself. Yes, we probably have 18,000 million examples of that each and every one of us in our lives. And so I have um, such a really fun guest with me. Guess what? About 10 years ago, she's a documentary filmmaker um, and an author, and she reached a breaking point herself. I love this. When she realized that she was complaining all of the time and over the decade that followed, she moved from being a powerless passive complainer, which we all can identify with or have a person in our lives that we can identify with, to actively taking control over her life and getting more out of it in all aspects along the way. So I want to introduce to you Sianna Stewart. She is the founder of the No Complaining Projects, And guess what? I have a book right in front of me, No Complaints, How to Stop Sabotaging Your Own Joy. Sianna Stewart, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned nearly every self-development and spiritually enlightened person. Uh, they say the first step to improving their lives and experiencing happiness is to stop complaining and start taking personal responsibility, but they stop short at the part of how to do it. So you got the answers, don't you? <laughs>
0: well, I certainly learned a lot from experience you know, I read a lot of those books and it was like, yes, absolutely. I should take responsibility. I should stop complaining. And then when I actually tried to do it, I discovered that it was super hard to do. Uh, And also a lot of people around me were complaining and they were complaining about complainers. And I was like, what is going on here? Because people don't like complaining, but we still do it. So that's what really got me going.
1: But it's kind of funny. It's like, I want to talk about this a little bit because you're right. People don't like complaining, but at the same time, they love it. It's almost like it feels so good sometimes. Why is that? Because I do believe you that it, the, the the power to stop it um, is a key to, uh, you know, stopping, sabotaging people's joy. Um, but it's such an interesting paradox, I think, don't you?
0: I I absolutely do, and that's one of the things that totally fascinated me and made me dive into really researching this topic or just reading as much as I could about whatever was related to it. Because you're right, a lot of people say, oh, I love complaining, it's so much fun, it feels so good. However, (laughs) I rarely hear anybody say, oh, I love listening to other people complaining, it's so great to hear others complain around me. So that's, I think, where a lot of the the big schism is. You know, it might feel good in the moment to to complain and to feel, you know, at somehow that gives you some energy, but ultimately over time it it really doesn't. You know, I think that even the people who say that they really love complaining, it's because it's fun. You know, some people are very good storytellers or they feel more bonded to other people as a result of sharing some sort of common suffering. But also we can feel really bonded to other people by sharing common joy, or tackling problems together and feeling victorious at the end of it. So I don't yes. think that the default is you either complain or you're just, you don't have anything to say. Um, yeah, I you know I did find it hard at first to stop, and I didn't have much to say. But after a while, I found that there's a lot more interesting things to say, and I could actually have much r- richer relationships as a result.
1: I love it. You know, I I kind of call things like complaining um, loan shark energy. You know, if you just you kind of like oh vent and you get it out. Yeah, it might give you a little bump at the beginning there, but in the long term, kind of like a loan shark, it's going to take it back and then some, you know, it's kind of like an energy drink. Mm. You know, it's like, ooh, not a great practice for long term. We've got to have an exit strategy for sure. So I guess while while we're on the subject, what is your definition of complaining? What is it? That's the
0: first thing that I had to tackle because I recognized that the dictionary definition, which is basically airing a grievance or expressing a dissatisfaction, that doesn't really cover it when we say that somebody is such a complainer. There's something specific that we're thinking about. And my definition is to express dissatisfaction about whatever without contributing to solving the problem. And it's that last part that is the thing that makes it really exhausting. If somebody is saying the same thing over and over again about whatever it is that bothers them, whether it's the politics, or it's their job, or it's their relationship, or it's their kids, or it's the weather, or whatever, you just say the same thing over and over again, and don't actually try to take steps to solve the problem, that's what makes it exhausting. Um, And I I make a pretty clear distinction for me is that I really want to support people moving from complaining towards problem solving. And problem solving is an active stance. You start to feel like you're an agent in your own world. You actually feel more powerful and you feel like, Oh, I'm more in control. Ultimately, complaining over time puts you into this victim stance, makes you, it wears down your sense of your own power. It makes you feel like you're out of control. And, and it under, it underscores that every time you say a complaint, you're basically telling your own body and your own mind, you know, I, I, this thing is really bothering me too bad. I can't do anything about it.
1: Yeah. And that's where it can have a big impact on our health.
0: Yes, absolutely. It can have a huge impact on our health. It under And I know this is a special interest to you and your listeners. It's a really interesting and terrifying thing to think about sort of the long-term effects of complaining because it really exacerbates your stress. And that feeling of powerlessness, it'll raise your cortisol levels, it can make you feel more anxious, and all of those are, uh, and it can also make you feel more depressed or grease the wheels if you're prone to depression, it makes you more likely to fall into it and not be able to get out of it. And all of that is bad for your heart, your weight, your just overall ability to sleep, you know, all sorts of things. It just keeps going on and on. And, uh, and... While complaining per se hasn't been researched in so many words in a lot of the literature, all of the components of complaining have individually been researched, um, and particularly rumination is one where you just say that you know uh, you state a problem again and Same again. Same thing
1: over and over again. mm mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah, and uh, and that's been very very well documented, um, as well as the sort of patterns of uh, a negative self-talk that are in depression and in anxiety. Um, and so that's
1: where I draw all of this from. I love it. You've done an incredible job putting this, this book together. Um, it's, and it's a workbook in a sense, right? I mean, you broke it up into sections, awareness, interruption and replacement. Um, yeah, it's, it's a workbook. So it's actually, it's, people are actually working through. It's kind of, you are answering that. Okay, I get this. I agree with it. Everybody's out there. It's like, yes, this is probably one of the. First steps to joy and enlightenment. Um, how do I do it? And you're giving people the answer here in this workbook. But I, I, I talk more about your book. Like I love the, the this the sections um, and transforming these habits of complaining and awareness interruption and replacement.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for I love I love that you were drawn just to the structure of it because what I was really looking for and what I what I came to understand as I was reading all of these other books and I was teaching workshops that there. Is a, there's a real need for being able to get something really succinct and, and quick, um, lesson. Sometimes it's a reminder, it's an extraction from all of the other books that we've read, but then to ground it in some actual practice exercises, making you think about certain examples in your life or how you can actually change particular things that you're doing and trying to make it really, really, uh, solid and ground it in your, behavior and in your way of thinking and so that's in the awareness section the first part of it is really that you know if i you know people listening to this now you're aware of complaining and a lot of people didn't even realize that maybe that they had a choice to stop um but now once you have that awareness the beginning of it now you start to see it all around you and it's really important to understand why is this happening what's triggering it you know, what are the sorts of things that are making me more prone to complaining? Then the next section is to interrupt that pattern because the real thing is that we're talking about habitual and unconscious complaining. And so once you become aware, it becomes less, it's not so much unconscious because now you're aware, but how do you actually, you know, interrupt that habit? Because there are a lot of habits that are built into it, things that are ingrained. We're used to complaining as small talk or we're used to getting together with a particular group of people and you know, having our happy hour be just these gripe sessions and stuff like that. So how do you actually like interrupt those patterns and still support the kinds of relationships, the kinds of conversations, the kinds of life that you actually want? And then once you're through all of that, I wanted to take it one step further and say, you know, this is, it's a lifelong practice. This is not, it's a lot like going to the gym. You don't go to the gym for one extreme, you know, very enthusiastic month and then you're good for the rest of your life. Like the world still (laughs) happens all around you, you know, and like there are always going to be reasons to be frustrated in the world. So how do you actually, you know, take that on as a daily practice and how do you build up your own personal, emotional, mental resilience so that when things go awry, that you're in a much better state. You're you're less likely to complain in the first place, but you're also, even if things go completely haywire, you're, you can actually recover more quickly. And so that's the third part in the replacement. Like, what are the things that we do now? Now that we've interrupted the pattern, you actually need to replace it with something that's proactive, that builds the kind of life that you want.
2: More with Dr. Holly Lucille coming up. But first, I want to tell you about Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people. Like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Yes, I'm not kidding. This is really cool. Health IQ can save you up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. And these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Now, you have to qualify by taking a Health IQ quiz or other lifestyle quizzes like the cycling IQ or running IQ quiz and you can also get additional savings by submitting actual data such as race results from a 5k that you've run and Health IQ doesn't just take this info and pass it on to an insurer they are with you every step of the way from interest to application through underwriting to the final policy enforcement it's pretty cool now by being healthy you not only live a better life but now you can also pay less for your life insurance to see if you qualify get your free quote today at healthiqcom slash mindful or mention the promo code mindful when you talk to a health iq agent once again check it out at health mindful now back to dr holly lucille
1: To stop complaining, it takes courage. Like, what, what do you mean by that? How do we How do we get people into the process where they can change these patterns?
0: Well, if we take a look at a lot of what is the most frustrating to listen to somebody over and over again, it's usually something that would take a huge effort to change that, you know, say they're complaining about their boss or their job situation, you know, the the decision to actually do something about it requires a huge amount of self determination uh, you know has to you have to be able to see the possibility in the world that you can actually make that change as well as what you would be changing into um and then stepping into that space of uncertainty because one of the things that's true while people are complaining is often they're also feeling like well at least this is the pain that i know But out there, there's this uncertain universe. And we're saying, if you want to stop feeling all of this pain that you know, you're going to have to try to do something new. And that moment is very difficult. Sometimes also one of the things that's really eating away at us is a conversation that we're not willing to have with somebody who's important to us or, you know, we're feeling like there's a risk of a relationship cost, um, in actually addressing something head on. A lot of people are not trained in how to actually have direct conversations. And so the courage to say, I'm willing to stand up for myself and to own that. I feel these things and I want to have a direct conversation with you. And I would like to resolve this situation. That's really bothering me. That takes a lot. You know, when I started doing this, it's really kind of intense because when I started doing this, I was looking at like, well, why are people complaining? What's really going on? And I recognized that a lot of complaints were sort of proxy for some other emotional state. There's something else also happening. They're they're feeling lonely or they're feeling scared that they're going to be blamed for something or, you know, there's, there's some other thing that is happening. So the complaint is just like the visible surface, but what really needs to be addressed is the underlying emotion and right. that it where it's almost starts.
1: like mm-hmm. where anger is so much easier than feeling sad or hurt.
0: Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. Blaming is so, so much easier than taking responsibility. You know, right. it's all of that. Um yeah. and so if you're quick to yes. anger, if you're quick to blame, if you're quick to, you know, um, feeling righteous then those are all things that um, actually express themselves as complaints a lot of times.
1: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's kind of easy and you get into it and then becomes a pattern. All right. So let's say somebody is going to be part of your project. All right. So it Mm -hmm. is the, it is the no complaining project where, um, I love it. And uh, they actually get your book, no complaints, how to stop sabotaging your own joy. And they go through it and they have the courage to start and they keep it up and they go through the different sections and you know, they're all into awareness first then how we interrupt that cycle. Then what can we replace it with? And they're moving along and they're happy and they're joyful and they're not sabotaging themselves anymore. But guess what? The people around them have not changed (laughs) and Mm -hmm. they continue to complain. How do you how do you uh, help people deal with that? How do you deal with other people around you complaining?
0: One of the more interesting things that's happened to me and to the people that I've been working with as they go through this is that the more that I understood that complaints were stand-ins for some underlying emotion, then when I hear people complain now, I'm actually a lot softer often around them. And I their Mm. complaints don't affect me quite as much because when they are complaining at me, I'm hearing them feeling sad, feeling angry, feeling scared, feeling something that, you know, so I have more empathy for them and what is actually going on. And sometimes I can start to engage with that and maybe I can help them on that deeper emotional level that they didn't even know that they're expressing or try to find out or even just get curious. Like I can't know what's going on in somebody else's head, but I can control my own curiosity as opposed to just putting up a wall and saying, Oh, I'm so exhausted by you. I can say, Oh, well, what's really happening over there. And you know, if I want to stay in relationship with this person, maybe I can start to explore and, and get curious about what's happening with them over there. Um, The other thing that's just sort of on a more, Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, no. Please, please continue on.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and then I was going to say, what we're talking about right now is a little bit more of an advanced step, sort of an intermediate one for a lot of people who are uh, in control. This is a lot easier to do. Is to uh, tell people that you've taken on this practice. Um, let them know that you're not complaining, ah. and to establish what what I call no co zone you know, say like, I would like your help in helping me learn how to stop complaining. And to do that, we have no complaining at the dinner table, or we have no complaining while I'm driving in my car, or, you know, say I'm a manager at work. We have no complaining in my office. We're going to do only problem solving here. So you can create times or physical locations that are just declared no-co-zones. And then... I love it. By having... Yeah. Right. By having people come into those places and engage with you in a problem solving way or in a in a more like neutral, not complaining way. Everybody learns the different habits Um. and uh, and take it on yourself. Like I'm exhausted. It's, it's, it's really hard to tell somebody like I'm tired of your complaining. Um. That's not generally sure. socially acceptable. <laughs> but what you can do no. is say, I'm working on on my own complaints, and right now I'm feeling triggered, and I can't engage in this conversation.
1: Yeah. You know, I was going to say, because, you know, you do mention that, of course, it takes courage to start this process and, and break these patterns because there's so much that we can get out of it in these short-term rewards. Um But to actually get curious about somebody else and have compassion about somebody else's complaining, boy, that's just a Mm -hmm. whole nother evolved step. So I really like, first of all, people to get there would be awesome. Second, I love that you suggest that just, just help people, you know, sort of you teach people how to treat you, right? Help people understand what you're up to. It's kind of somebody who might want to stop drinking alcohol for a bit. And they're so used to just going out and doing it over and over and over again with the folks that they do it over and over again with. If, if you're not asking them to stop drinking, you're just saying, "Listen, for the next couple months, st- I still want to see you. I still want to hang out, but I, I'm I'm really trying to not engage in this activity. I want to slow down a little bit, whatever." So you own that. Uh, and teach them how to treat you. It it's it's a it's a great as you said sort of middle step into getting curious about perhaps why somebody else that you do want to keep in your life and 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 and, re, and maintain relationship with um is complaining all the time.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think it's, you know, just acknowledging that it is a habit and that you sometimes need to do something sort of very severe or obvious or, you know, upfront as naming it and saying like, I'd like to change the how we get together or what we're talking about or how you're interacting with me so that I can break this habit because it's going to take some effort and to know that it, it does take yeah. some effort, you know, it doesn't happen right away. Um, I still catch myself complaining 10 years later and then I'm like, okay, take a breath. What's going on? Um, yeah. You know, this is, it's it's an ongoing practice.
1: So a couple more questions for you, Um, because, you know, there are things that Mm -hmm. happen that are devastating in life. And of course, right now, with our uh, political situation, I think the world around us that can be so frustrating. Um, When somebody is like truly upset, uh, legitimately upset, what do you say to them? Are you saying that nobody should ever complain, even if they're in this state? Not at all. I
0: feel there's a One distinction that's incredibly important to make that um, I haven't seen in other places, which is that I have room for what I call venting. And my definition of venting is very specific. It's when you're currently emotionally feeling something, and it is so overwhelming that it's actually distracting you from having any other conversation or it's distracting you from the conversation at hand with the person that you're with, you know, then that's something to share. That's something that's saying, you know, like, I would like to engage with you, but I can't stop thinking about this thing. Um, and so in that moment, you know, there's there's a emotional reality and it's important to share that emotional reality. And that often comes out in a voice that sounds a lot like complaining, but, you know, it's generally it's venting. Now, the trick for me is that you can't Do that to more than one person. You can't do that more than once. Um, because these are the things that are, it's so immediate and current that that's what you're feeling that, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're sharing it because it's in that moment. Now, if it's something that's much larger in this, like, larger political climate, and this is something that I've talked with, with a, with a bunch of different activists and people who are kind of working in this space, you know, if you're what I call complaining to the choir, you know, if you yeah. are just saying something that people already know, and they're all like, ah, angry, you know, oh, I agree with you. I'm so angry. Oh, yeah, I'm angry about that, too. You know, ultimately, that doesn't actually either solve the problem or make anybody feel better. You know, for a moment, it's great because you feel bonded, just sort of like a little temperature check. Are you on my side? You know, OK, great. Um, tribal,
1: but you, the tribe, has, yes, tribal warfare.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's all little tribal, tribal warfare. Tri- well, not even yeah. just it's a tribal bonding moment. It's like, oh yes, yes. Right, let me check your your tribal marks. Okay, yours are the same as mine. That's great. You <laughs> know, but then we all fall there, into there's it. There's a moment we all fall into it, and it makes <sighs> sense. You know, we want to know if we feel safe. Um, but once that's established, if you keep doing it, ultimately it actually wears people down, and it can be paradoxical paradoxically, it can be very demotivating to solving the problem because it, again, if you're complaining a lot, you go into a victim stance, you start to feel powerless by saying it out loud, you start to feel even more powerless. When people get together again and again and say, oh, this thing is so screwed up and I have, you know, oh, it's so, it's like bigger than me. It can actually make them feel like there's nothing that I can do. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a limit. That must be established, and it has to be conscious about how much can you say this same thing over and over again um, to feel bonded. But at some point, you have to transition to, okay, what are we going to do about it? Because if you don't take that step, then you just become, again, you're reinforcing this sort of powerless victim stance, and then it just spirals into a big frustration fast, and nobody nobody benefits from that.
1: No. All right. You, I mean, all right, mindful listeners, blowing our minds here with going no co, right? <laughs> no complaining. I love it. All right, Cecilia, I want to ask you one more question. If you could yeah. give people just one tip, what would it be?
0: The easiest thing to break a habit of this is to say, while you're, say, if you catch yourself complaining, interrupt yourself for a moment, think about the person you're talking with. And then imagine from their point of view, what impression do they have of you in that moment? Is this the conversation that they want to be having? What kind of, how do I feel in terms of feeling bonded with this person in this moment? Is this a conversation that I want to be having with them? You know, and then if you can pull yourself out enough into the other person's point of view, like, well, what would make them excited to talk about? What do I share with this person? How can Mm. we actually have a conversation that feels good for both of us? And I think, yeah, I think they call that that, changing the
1: narrative these days.
0: That is correct. Changing the narrative, (laughs) getting out, changing your POV. And also it's called having empathy. Um, And that's really the thing. That's a, that's a big uh, switch because, you know, complaining really is a monologue. You're, you're just talking about yourself and you're like, I don't care how it feels for other people. It feels good to me to say this thing and too bad. Um, and ultimately, if you can think about who we are talking with, then it'll change, it'll change your narrative. Yes,
1: yeah. That's lovely. All right. So folks, I want you to understand where you can hear more about the No Complaining Project. You can go to www.gonoco.com or more about Sianna Stewart at her website, siannastewart.com. And her name is spelled C-I-A-N-N-A. S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Sianna, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, and I guess I'm going to, uh, one last question, if, if you would. Do you really believe that mm-hmm. not complaining is ultimately the key to happiness?
0: I think that it is the key to being more connected and feeling joyful. And yeah. I am striving for a deeper, deeper joy than, uh, I, th- I think happiness is awesome. I find it much more fleeting. I feel happy a lot. I want to feel a deeper joy that's lasting as well. And I do think that it is a very, it's a key for that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. All right, mindful listeners. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. Chew on that. Try not complaining. Get this book. It's a workbook. You can work your way through it. Change those deeper (laughs) habits. Become more compassionate. All right, folks. Thanks again. And until next time.